0: Welcome to a Chat in the Garden with Monique A.J. Smith, Word Sniffers Blooms in Athletics and Sports Business, right here on Survival Radio Network. Well, I hope all of you all are enjoying your time to grow. Um, I'm trying to keep a positive attitude about this uh, uh, quarantine. Um, I'm in Virginia um I am not sure if we are, if it's voluntary or not. Uh, I went to go to the bank the other day, and my mom says your governor says stay in. I said, well, it's essential for me to go to the bank, so I believe that that's okay. So, uh, but I'm okay because as long as I got a good book. And some lessons I can learn and give, I am good, and I hope all of you are all the same but i again, I would just say that every out of every crisis uh there's an opportunity and uh and I'm really glad that we took the opportunity in time uh to to learn from dr chico cartwell um he joined us Sunday night at nine p m and gave some great nuggets. I mean, and we got some great feedback, I must admit. And uh, it was a follow-up, really, uh, from his session that he gave that Thursday on creating a, um, uh, excuse me, uh, I hear my mother in the background, and it kind of distracted me. Please do excuse me. Um, uh creating a success culture. And uh it was really great because uh, he he and I had been talking for some time and uh it was just really great to be able to share our conversation with the group I must admit. And so uh we did get some great uh feedback uh from the seminar. Uh um uh Doctor Makia um uh, Troy, who was an a d in Georgia, she says "Thanks for sharing. I got some good nuggets from Dr. Chico Caldwell. Uh, we got some um, another a d who was actually an a d at a high school in Selma, Alabama. Um, she also gained some great information uh, she said, and so it was great to be able to uh, to to share some resources together through Facebook. You know, I love doing the podcast, but I like to try to um, share resources um, beyond our career background, and that was something that I, again, I'm all about mindset, and, you know, the most important part, I don't know if anybody caught this, but the fact that Dr. Caldwell is now working for Executive Search Forum, and I just wanted him to be able to know the outstanding candidates that we have inside of Chattanooga and so that was my opportunity to share uh him with you and you with him and uh and to also to show who is like-minded and his whole point was um and and I, I think it's fantastic the number of athletic directors now have gained the VP position and usually that used to be a division 3 thing where you had division 3 ADs um, be VPs because they're, you know, deal with double duty, maybe in student affairs or, or something or, or, or um, intramurals. But when you see it on Division Two and Division One, it elevates the position to be on the cabinet level with VPs. And so, um, you know, I've always, always said, um, if you're ever in the AD position, try to be um, on that level or have a direct line to the president because, let's just be clear, you know, the NCAA does not recognize a VP unless they are far. And so, yes, it's, you know, and I had that problem, and I was young and my president uh, somewhat uh, yielded to my youth. But I, I was just so ticked off that, you know, I went through five different ADs, and then um, they made the VP, um, uh, the interim AD. And I was just like, "Like, look, he doesn't know anything about athletics, and he is blah, 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 blah. And his, his, it, the president said, look, you know, you, you all have access to me, but, you know, if you have immediate needs, you know, you go through the VP. Well, you know, I wasn't too happy. About that, and then number two, um, the 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 other thing which which I never forgot, because again, this conversation I'm sharing with you is almost twenty five years old, is the fact that uh, all VPs need to understand all the areas of the university in order to be a president. So when he said it to me, I said, hmm. So even though you're AD and you don't wish to be a president or never cross your mind, and I do have some folks that I'm pushing and say, look, you're a presidential material. You know, you need to stay on that track. And I do know, I do know a couple of presidents who came up from the athletic director's position, at least two, but they're all men. So can we, you know, that would be a wonderful first for me to see. But uh, when... um, you uh, you look at um, some of the walls that you hit when you're trying to get some things done, it usually comes from your counterparts and you don't have a level you're not a level to uh, counter it because you're not at the table. So if you can get on a cabinet level and be able to think as such as the VPs, then you're able to serve your um uh, coaches and student athletes much better, and how do you do that is you try to understand the uh mindset of the leaders and what is happening now um uh, that presidents are looking at athletic departments as a unit as the same as the department of math or or um not even department um uh, the school of, the school of. And if you can talk the same language of the VPs, then you're surely going to have, I can't say a smooth sailing, but you have some allies to be able to build upon uh, to, to make your problem well. And so and, and another thing that, that was very interesting with our conversation together was, uh, and, and, and this is what I, I don't get, and that's one reason I started doing training even when I was the CIAA, I would see so many um, of the people that I was mentoring uh, say they want a the certain position and then they get it. And then it's all like, well, I don't like her or she don't like me and and we're not getting along. And I'm like, okay, how do you get the job done if you're having all these soft skill issues? Okay. And um, so... I started doing some mind work. Didn't even know that's uh, what it was called. But I, I started, uh, I created a workshop called uh, Walking in Her Shoes. And so I would try to put um, uh, lower-level administrators in the next level's position with another person who's been in a position to walk them through the day-to-day Can see how that would be. And I was, I was doing workshops, so it wasn't like, uh, it was a shadowing situation. It was you, you You look at what it is they have the day-to-day, what are their tools, who are the group they have to answer to, and that's the really the issue. If you don't understand that you in one ear and who else in the other end and who they represent, you will just be totally, uh, again, like, like they were, disgusted. And um, so if you got a new position as an AD, How do you change a culture? And as Dr. Kawa said, he has a name for how to to have a success culture. And he talks about how you do that from a presidential look. And so let's be clear. If you're going for a position, you need to already have uh, your plan of action of how you're going to go about uh, creating that success culture, Um, not just changing the culture but putting a name to it. You know, And I'm not necessarily saying that you go in there and tell them I want to create a success culture, but you can come up with your own. Let's just say, um, I'll say a growth culture because, you know, that's what I always preach about up in here is because I'm planting seeds of empowerment to lead others to greatness. And so knowing that leading is growing and growing is going to be uncomfortable, I can, when I do my staff uh, workshops, I can say that, and to to say, if you want to get here, we have to do this. So I understand that Dr. Caldwell did another workshop on Tuesday of this week, and it was about change. And so change is about growing, and uh, I've been through a lot of change situations. And I I was saying to him to just do a Facebook Live because of the fact that right now we are in the midst of a change. We are in a midst and of a change um, that, even though it may be temporary, there are some practices, folks, that are going to remain because when people can see, y'all know it, when people can see how they can save money on doing certain things. So let's be clear. All right, I hate to I hate to be a bearer of bad news, but also bearer of opportunity. You know some of those uh, professional development opportunities that you would usually go to. Um, your comptroller gonna probably say, uh, "How many of these can you go to virtually?" I mean that's just a fact, and so you got to be prepared for that. So guess what? Here's the opportunity. So if your opportunities to go off campus and learning is going to be cut, maybe it's an opportunity to get a better. Uh, uh, bandwidth for your Internet, or maybe it's the opportunity to get more laptops. You just never, like I say, I have a whole workshop on when you hit a wall, create a door, and I call it a door of opportunity. It's all in how you look at it. So Dr. Caldwell has a success culture, and I have my growth mindset. And uh, I just figure, you know, we'll bring somebody else in here to say the same thing. And somebody who has influence okay influence when um his firm has an opening um that he would you would be fresh in his mind now that being said, I do want to say this speaking about opportunity, this is opportunity for you to uh, put your niche out there. Put your name out there about something that you are 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 good at uh, because that's how people remember you honestly um you you this is an opportunity to create a workshop uh to to and I'm working with my clients in the um Caesar Parliament speakers Bureau to do just that, and they're flourishing because now people have certain needs. And, uh, and they've already known to be known for that need. I mean, this is just take, for instance, Jen Fry. Now, Jen Fry has been going to college campuses and whatnot, but guess what? She began her messaging on social media, and everybody knows what her expertise is. Now, she has another one that she doesn't really put out there, but I do. She does a great job, a great job of scanning your resume and making it pop, as the young people would say. And so that's what I'm talking about. You have really got to use this time. I don't have anything wrong with Netflix, okay? But I do have when you just sit there and watch Netflix the entire time. Now, you want to reward yourself after being on Zoom all day, yes. But maybe one movie, but not three movies straight out. You know, or mix it up. Get a movie, get a training and then do some work. You know, create something. This is what I'm just saying. This create something during this time. You know, even if it's a logo, a saying, something that you can say, during this time I grew. During this time I grew. And uh so, uh, you know, I like to get in a soapbox, but again, and, you know, here's the point. Dr. Caldwell came to me. He was he was referred to me, but he knew uh, that this audience was an active audience, active audience. And what I'm trying to say is be active for yourself. Invest in yourself, people, um, because I'm trying to tell you, some things can come out of this thing. Um, and I'm not going to go into the bloom and goom about financing uh, per se, but I will say this. You gotta have multiple income streams you gotta have multiple income streams uh if it's more than uh if if it's more than a uh, mindset okay it's a mindset and so here you go just in case you have some hard times understanding what I'm saying about financial and mindset, I got somebody else who wants to come to the garden, and he's coming in on Sunday at 9 p.m. Sunday at 9 p.m., you know, that's my my nice time because I know that if you're doing your food prep, that's over, okay? If you got kids, homework, they're going to sleep. Uh, So you really should be doing anything else except go to bed. So I want to be the last thought on your mind before you go to bed and so at nine o'clock on sunday eric smith the financial literacy coach is on the docket okay and um i'm just trying to tell you he did speak to the advanced academy members uh i forgot it was a couple of months ago about about two months ago people i'm just trying to tell you the man is full of information and I'm so glad that I took action on what he shared. Okay, and what he shared with me was about acorns. I think I told you about the last right after the we had him on acorns. And I'm not talking about acorns that come off a tree. This is an investment it's called EFTs, no ETFs, excuse me, ETFs, and um, it's uh, it's like a savings account, but it's a savings account. That makes money off of the stock market that you can cash, and it's better than a CD because a CD you penalize if you get it uh, less. Because I think CDs you can do like six months or ten months, but you know when you put uh, uh, um, uh, when you put money in the system. Uh you gotta understand how the system works, so this is what the financial uh, uh literature coach does now we know that uh, uh that he does student athletes, but he also does regular student bodies and he does high schools so you know we we've been bonding for some time now and uh he wants to, He asked, he said, can I come on to the garden? So when I first met him, he wanted to be a guest. I said, no, you can't be a guest, but you can advertise and you can record and you can, you know, you can hear your voice. Uh, but this is, you know, just for uh, women of color, athletic administrators, trying to expose them to the world. And so, um, but the Facebook group, I try to bring good resources, try to bring good resources. And uh, so, yeah, Sunday, 9 p.m., Financial Literature Coach. And I'm sure he can have some information, and I'll tell him this because we're having a conversation today uh, after the podcast about the stimulus package, how that works. Hopefully we can talk about some taxes a little bit, you know. Because um, the one thing I, I would really, I would, I'm would i going to say based on my experience, you know, even if you put money in 401 k you also need to have your own RA. Um, and uh, these are just pockets of things. And I think I share with you all, I had a drip. I had a, a, a dividend uh, with uh, with a utility company. I've been doing that for years. And I just do it constantly uh, $40 a month. Um, I just drop it in there like a savings and whatever. I think it would not it even buy one whole share, but it was something constantly moving. And honestly, I just cashed it out uh, so I could uh, deal with this uh, time period here, because um, I do uh, do some work with the city of Hampton, and I'm not able to go out and do the work of city of Hampton uh, because of the quarantine, and uh, if you, it's not like I can. It, it it really is, you gotta go out and do it. You know. So I'm still able to teach some hand some class. But my point is is that uh even though that's not a the stocks not an income stream, you do know stocks say you work better when you diversify. So it's the same part about your income coming into you. You need to diversify that. And this is the time to be able to do that. This is the time to be able to do that. Um, and so yes uh got one more thing got two more things to shout out. So yes, we have a pivot. Uh I was supposed to be doing a book tour, but now the tour is virtual. Uh the workshops now is a virtual workshop book discussion and signing. Um uh, the first one will be this Monday, um with Langston University female student-athletes, I'm really appreciative of uh, Langston to uh, go ahead and uh, keep me on the docket. Um, And so I created an e-workbook to go with it, which I think is really great because, honestly, in the book that I wrote, Removing the Face, uh, my chapter is about uh, the public figures, uh, mass, exit stage, left. I couldn't put names. I couldn't put names of institutions or people or things like that. But in my workbook, I could. And so I got pictures and whatnot. But that's all to stimulate conversation about removing the face of the public figure. And uh, so, you know, our student-athletes, which I'm really excited about because if I can implant the growth mindset with them early on, that means uh that when they become an administrator, if they want to, they don't have to work as hard because honestly, I have to. It's a mindset. It's a mindset and how you deal with I said the uh, walls that you hit. And I'm really excited about that. So, yeah, that will be on Monday. Glad about that. Uh, is this something that you want to bring to your student-athletes or your staff? I can do the staff retreats. If you've been on Zoom, you know now that they have, well, they already had it before, but I have been doing my classes for at least a year, is when I put them in groups. You can put people in break breakout groups within Zoom and then come back and present. And uh, so I'm pretty proficient in that because, when we went online, uh, my chairperson said, do you need training? I said, no, I've been doing online classes since the beginning because when I went to do workshops, I never canceled class. I would just have class in the hotel room. And so one of my students says, oh, yeah, plane, train, automobile, she's going to have class. And uh, and I'm excited that they, they have that thought about it. But, again, so I'm, I'm pretty proficient in virtual classes and workshops and I'm just keeping on, keeping on. And I really am glad about uh, the push to make me create an e-workbook. So I'm excited about that and be able to share some of my experiences uh, in an e-workbook and then have it something that they can take back and be like a journal for them to uh, look at their progress. All I try to do, folks, is just plant seeds. And then lastly, Dr. Janice Hilliard's Women in Athlete Development Symposium and Networking Event is now completely online. Uh, Her event is April 5th and 6th. To register, go to dot com. .com. So we have come to the moment for our guest to come on with us today. And this is a person I've known for a very long time, I met her uh at NACWA, now called women leaders in college sports. Um uh, and I believe uh I wanna I think that she was like a vendor and then next thing I know she's out of administration and uh just just have watched her career have <clears throat> been able to uh, uh bond in good times and bad times and to send resources her way. So it is my privilege to introduce Pam Hubbard, the AD of Clovis Community College. Welcome to the Garden, Pam.
1: Good, good morning. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Good morning. Thank you so much. Yep, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I said, no. Did you hear your cheers? I did. I love it. That's amazing.
1: Yes. I love it. I, can I have that like every morning when I get
0: up? That would have, really help me get up in the morning. If somebody <laughs> were
1: cheering me on like that, that would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, you can just play the replay back and just hear it over and over again. I would love <laughs> it. <laughs> so, so
1: um, I was going to say, little um, correction. Believe it or not, I was not a vendor when we oh. met me. I think I was. I think I was an intern. So I came into athletics just kind of a weird sort of way. And by the time I started showing up at NACWA stuff, I was still an intern. I was just – I was an older intern because I had already kind of had a life and a career, and I was switching careers to come into athletics. But I'm pretty sure that's how that went down is that I was just trying to find my way in the door and found some found NACWA and got the ability to go to one of the institutes and started plowing through that. So,
0: yeah. I just was. It was a second career for me, believe it or not. Wow. Well, you were very intentional, and you know me. I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm gonna meet everybody. You know. <laughs> and I appreciate that because <laughs> I do Oh yeah. That. So yeah. So, so, but, so uh first, I want to know where are you located?
1: So I'm at Clovis Community College, which is a suburb of Fresno, California. So Fresno. So New Mexico. Yeah. So right outside okay. of Fresno. And that's okay. about in, it's in central California. So, yeah. So are you quarantined? I am quarantined. So we have been at home now for, this is work from home week two. So I'm ready for this to be over because I don't work from home well. And I miss my coaches and I miss my student athletes and I miss interaction with people other than my husband. So,
0: <laughs> I'm saying.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's I think it's, Working from home, you have to be very diligent about what you're doing. You have to have that schedule. You have to know what you're going to be doing every single day. And I think for athletics, it is like that from a workout and planning your workouts and, you know, competition standpoint. Uh-huh. But from an administrative standpoint, it's a little bit of you're doing a lot of planning, plus you're also just kind of catching what's coming at you. Uh-huh. And that's what makes the day go past and the day go, fast and, right. and they go faster. And I love that. And not having this piece where it's like, you know, you have all these things that are coming at you every single day and you're reacting. Now it's like, oh, I get to actually do all of that planning that I kept swearing one day I would do, like writing Mm -hmm. the policies and procedures, rewriting Mm -hmm. my student-athlete handbook, writing a coach's handbook. I mean, all of that stuff is what I'm doing now. And it's great, don't get me wrong, and it needs to be done, but, man, I would kill to have some contests going on right now (laughs) when have some games to go
0: to. (laughs) So
1: that's
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, this is my fourth week. Um, mm. Yeah, but uh, so I think it'd be really great because we do have listeners who are also from other careers who are, uh transcending into athletics. So let's—I mean, let's just really start off from your college journey to your current position. Sure.
1: So, I graduated my undergrad in sociology from Sacramento State, and I, I grew up in Sacramento. And um, at that point in time, you know, I've got a degree in sociology, and I'm kind of like, all right, well, now what do I do? Um, and I went to go work for the state of California, mm-hmm. um, and I worked for various different departments. One was Bureau of Automotive Repair, doing copier contracts for the state, um, another one was Department of Justice, and I was working in a unit that loaned out pinhole cameras to to law enforcement throughout the state to help with them with their surveillance. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of all over the place trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I ended up at a company called All Data um, that – do you remember the Mitchell manuals when you work on your car? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so they are the exact same thing but in a digital format. And so I was finally – using my degree in the sense that I was running a beta program for them and was doing a bunch of survey analysis. And I liked it. It was close to the house, and it was great people, and, you know, I loved the product, but I was like, ah. But I was still – I've always been a huge sports fan. I think that's the piece. I was never a student athlete, but I was Mm. always a huge sports fan. And I think that's what kind of makes me different than most administrators is I never played a sport in college, and I played rec softball after college with, you know, just some friends, and we played it weekly. So um, at that point in time, somebody, I ran into somebody who started talking. and was like, hey, have you ever thought about working for the Sacramento Sports Commission? And I'm like, no, I don't know anything about that. Tell me more. And I didn't even know that was here. And I ended up getting a job with them overseeing their volunteers and um, special projects for the events that they were bringing into town. And it just so happened that it came on at the right time because that's when we hosted the Olympic trials for track and field. So in that, I had 2,000 volunteers underneath me for a 10-day event that happened right after 9-11. So we were dealing with security issues. We were dealing with just sheer numbers of people. And, I mean, it was the best event I've ever been a part of. And at that point in time, I was like, whoa, I can get paid to do this? And it was like a light bulb came on at that point. So at that point in time, I decided to go back to school. I got a a, a management degree, got a uh, graduate degree in sport management from Mm -hmm. University of San Francisco. Um, And I remember I started the very same week that the Olympic trials started. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I remember telling my professor, okay, I've got this huge event. It was one one night a week, which was great. It was also in Orange County. And that's in Southern California. I'm in Northern California at the time. And I had planned on finishing this event and then quitting the sports commission and moving down south. But uh-huh. it meant that I would be starting the program two weeks late. And uh-huh. so, I, uh, so I talked to the professor, and I was like, look, I need to start two weeks late. I've got this, you know, huge event that's happening. And he said, well, you better figure out what you want to do in your life because you either need to pick the, pick the Olympic trials or pick grad school because you can't do both. And I remember being really just upset about that. And I basically said, okay, well, you know, this is grad school. This is going to be the rest of my life. I went into my executive director and said, I got to go to grad school. I just got in. It starts this week. And he said, you know, okay, sorry to have you go. He went to the board because we were a nonprofit, went to the board, and the board said, no, you figure out a way to get her to stay And that's how, for two years, they paid for my flights down to Southern California and my books for me to go to grad school. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so I would go to work until about 2 o'clock. I would fly down south and go to class on that night on Wednesday night, fly back up one Thursday morning and go straight to work. And I did that for two years. And I don't know how I survived that, but I did. And for that, I am grateful because I came out of that with a graduate, graduate degree having this great experience with the Olympic trials. And then it was on the Sacramento state campus. And so we were working hand in hand with the athletic department there. And that's when I kind of started working more with, with with college athletics and about halfway through the program, I needed an internship and Sac state said, Hey, come on board. We'll give you an internship. So I'm still flying down South. I'm still working. I've got an internship with Sac state and kind of made it work for two years. And then, at the tail end of those two years, um, I was I in my internship I had started in as uh, in marketing, and realized that that wasn't for me. I'm not a creative type. I'm very mm-hmm. programmatic. I'm very <laughs> linear. I'm not creative, and I know that about myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the so the uh, director of marketing said, "Hey, you should go and try compliance." And I was mm-hmm. like, "I know nothing about compliance. What are you talking about?" And he said, "Go over to compliance because." you know, that would be really great for you because you have this way of still being mean to people because people like you at the end. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's how I ended up in compliance and got a great compliance director to be a mentor for mine. Her name is Catherine. And she gave me the flexibility to be able to do stuff at night and on weekends so it could fit into my schedule.
0: Okay. And I think that's
1: huge. Is She was very creative to figure out ways for me to still get the experience I needed while doing three other things, and that's the first time I learned kind of the the power of a mentor, but also the power of that creativeness in there and to think things outside of the box. Mm -hmm. Um, So after I graduated, you know, they let me be as a compliance intern, but put on my resume that I was a compliance assistant because I was literally doing everything in the office, and by the time I graduated, I needed a real job. They weren't going to hire a compliance assistant, so... I started interviewing everywhere. So I was interviewing at at University of North Texas, a Division III school in Illinois, a school out on the East Coast, and then University of Alaska Fairbanks. And uh-huh. that's how I ended up at Alaska. They gave me the best title and the most amount of money, and, well, when you're starting out, you, you move where you move to. Right, so right, right. I moved, So I moved to Alaska, and I was up there for – what was supposed to be two years, and come on down, turn into 11. <laughs> so, wow. And yeah. That, um, and what? There is an assistant AD at SWA, stayed in athletics there for four years, um, and left as the associate AD. Um, they were having some budget problems like most athletic departments do, and we were at a point where they were cutting everybody's contract by a month, and mm-hmm. I got into it with our HR person, um, I got into it with our HR person one day when she was handing me a reduced contract, and I said, "So is everybody getting a reduced contract?" And she said, "Yeah, everybody's going down an 11-month contract." And I said, "Well, how do you expect how do you expect my coaches to function like that? And like mm-hmm. coaches recruit 24/7. That's what they do. And now you've told the coaches." that they can't talk to the compliance officer, they can't talk to the business manager, they can't talk to the travel net officer. And like we're all here to support them and their student athletes and you've cut us off at the legs. And they said, Well they're not going to go out and recruit because they're off contract and I just looked at her and I said, You don't know college athletics And like you just don't. They will they will recruit even if they don't get paid. It's, they mm-hmm. don't care about that. They care about finding those good student athletes and being winning programs. So I ended up leaving because I wanted to get more experience at higher ed, too. so mm-hmm. I went over to the business office at that point, did two years there, and then another four years over at auxiliaries, where I oversaw our um, dining contract, bookstore contracts, uh, vending machines and meal plans and all of this.
0: Mm. so) mm-hmm.
1: So between that and working in the business office where you accepted student payments, so I'm having to explain to students, you know, this is what your fees mean. This is how a payment plan works. Don't forget mm-hmm. that you need to do X, Y, and Z. Then I got this huge, this kind of well-rounded verse of higher ed, and that's where I knew I was, I was in the right place. So, um, so we ended up moving back down to California. My husband got a job at Cal State Santa Claus in Turlock, and mm-hmm. then the job opened at Fresno City. And I was uh, very. I will be. I will be completely honest. But I was very reluctant to apply for the Fresno City job because that. When you, the first thing you do, obviously, when you're applying for jobs, is you're doing all of your research on that institution. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: when I when I was looking at Fresno City, I could see they had 21 sports, 450 student athletes, and no administrative assistance and no Mm. like help. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is going to be a problem. And plus, it's a junior college. I've never been at the junior college environment. And mm-hmm. while it's the same, it's different. And so um, I ended up kind of taking a shot, and I'm like, you know what? I had I had some some other mentors that i had come in contact with throughout this. There was a woman that was at UC Davis when I was at Stock State who now mm-hmm. works for the California Community College Athletic Association, so our kind of NCAA equivalent. Mm -hmm. She worked there, and she was like, you would be awesome. You can totally take that job. You'll totally succeed. She's like, I'll hook you up with a woman who used to be the AD there. She turned into a huge um, mentor for me as well and got in there and was there for a little over a year. And then Clovis, which is in the same district, it's right down the road, maybe about 15 miles, they were hiring an athletic director. And I looked at that program, and they were at eight sports as opposed to 21. Uh-huh. But I have the ability to hire my own coaches, build my own facilities, and add my own sports. And I was like, I can build a program from the ground up as opposed to a historical program that's been here for over 100 years. So that's how I ended up at Clovis, and that's where I'm at now. So I took a really weird route to get into college athletics. I mean, by the time I started up in Alaska, in my first full-time job, I was 36. And so you don't you don't start – I didn't think you started that late, but I started that late, and it and it was a it was a lot of work. It was a lot of talking to people. It was a lot of getting out and meeting people like you, and saying, "Am I even doing the right thing here?" And having everybody push and say, "Yes, here's your here's your next opportunity. You need to go here. Here, think about this. Go and meet this person. Do this work over here." And I I I don't. I wish I had made the jump sooner. But mm-hmm. I don't think I would be as good at it, good at it as I am now, because mm-hmm. like i've done I've done a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with college athletics for me to be successful where I'm at now. so and a lot of things that have taught me how to deal with people. One of the jobs mm-hmm. I ended up skipping was that I was a licensed funeral director for five years, so mm-hmm. I've dealt with people in different situations, which mm-hmm. that is tremendously helpful so, so that's my journey
0: that's probably that's where I'm at now. <laughs> it's kind of a weird. It's a weird journey, but it got me there. So. Well, I think uh, when you're older, you're very focused and distractions um, true. are minimized because uh, you're very focused. True. But I'm really impressed about uh, the Sports Commission, and that's where I met you. You were with the Sports Commission, so when, yeah. when uh, I was on the board of NACWA, um we were in um, Sacramento. That's what it
1: was. That yeah. is true
0: because I remember begging my boss to
1: let me go. I was like, it's here in town. Just let me go to it. And that's how I ended up at it. Otherwise, I knew that I knew I needed to be at that that convention. Like, where else are you going to get women in college athletics mm-hmm. all in the same place? So, like, mm-hmm. I knew I needed to go to that, and it would never be in my backyard again. So, yeah, that's that's very true.
0: It was yeah, a good event. It always is. Yeah, and so uh, I just thought that the the sports commission was hosting something. That's why I thought you were a vendor. But yeah, that was that was over. Uh, I, I would I want to say at least ten years ago. Oh yeah,
1: that was I was at the sports commission in two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Oh wow, it was in two thousand and four at trials. So yeah, that's over fifteen years ago. Good god. Oh
0: wow, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just so glad that we stayed in contact all these years. I was so happy to see, uh, well, LinkedIn helped us stay connected. I was like, oh, yeah. I think that's her. And I was so that's glad to me. catch up yeah. with you. So am I. I mean, I I wanted to thank
1: you because it's like you had no idea what I was doing and who I was, and you still were able to kind of keep in contact and watch what, what, what I was doing. And you've been, there's things that you've put out into your into your universe and say, you know, here's some stuff that people need to think about. You have access to so many people that every time that I'm thinking, Okay, well, I need somebody who does X I always think, Okay, who does Monique know? Like she probably knows somebody that does this. So that's what I appreciate is still that is still just how small athletic the athletic world still is. Even Mm -hmm. though it's gigantic it's like we all still know each other or it's always two to three degrees of separation in there. Mm -hmm. So So yeah. So you've been a great influence in me and that I know I need to utilize you more often.
0: So I, I would appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. So i got a couple of questions. Um, okay. Roy Nixon, he's a, a young man that I watched grow up in the church and saw him play football in uh, St. Augustine's College, and he plays some arena football. And uh, I thought this question was very interesting. He now works for regional team lead and retail merchandise. He said, "In your current role, uh, do you implement? How do you implement to help ensure athletes are prepared for life after sports, outside of going to class and competing?" I think that um, well, we do a few things. One is
1: we get them out into the community a lot. I think that that's the biggest thing is that they need to have that face time with the community members. Um, we have a very, we also have a very active um, student athlete uh, council. So kind of stack at like the four year, the two year mm-hmm. environments really don't have that. But at Clovis, so we just started that. So it's called the Clovis Student Athlete Council, the CSAC, and that's where we have um, two members of each program, and it's their leadership team. And so it gives these kids leadership opportunities, and they are figuring out ways to, you know, either run fundraisers or if I wanted to implement a new something new, I'll come to the CSAC first and be like, hey, let's kind of back this around and give me your opinion on it. So that gives them leadership training. It gives me the ability to go out and kind of talk to people in the community. Um, so those are two of the, the big ways that we do it is that we recognize that, you know, we don't want you to be pigeonholed into athletics, especially as a two-year, because you're only here for two years. And then we, our job is to get you educated and get you moving forward. Um, and we have a short amount of time to do a lot of things, including get you academically ready, but also to get you ready for the community. So we run a C-Stack, or that leadership program really helps them out. We get them out in the community. We get them out in front of their professors on campus, and so that's one of the things that I love about Clovis is that I showed up on my first day, and everybody on campus from, like, all of the faculty all had shirts that said Clovis Crush on them with our logos on it. And you don't see that a lot. And these faculty are just fully just invested in these student-athletes. So, and that's the power of getting these student-athletes in front of the faculty members and talking to them about their programs and what they do and what their life is. So, I feel like those three ways are the ways we're trying to get them ready to move on to that next step, whether it be you're just going to get the AA and go out into the community and work, or you're going to go to a four year. That's what we're doing that's outside of the competitive environment and outside of the scholastic environment to get
0: them ready. Okay. Nikita Robinson Thomas of Delaware State. She has a couple of questions. Uh, what okay. tips would you recommend for a young woman new to this field? What books have you read that shaped your leadership? And what women do you admire and pattern yourself after? Oh, wow. There's a lot of questions in there. So let's see.
1: I will say for the the first question is don't be afraid to talk to anybody and everybody. Mm -hmm. I think that especially women in athletics, women are way more receptive to you just emailing or calling them cold call and saying, can I pick your brains? I think that's a huge thing and men don't do that but women do it and I've had women women that are coming up that will call me and say hey can can we get together for a cup of coffee just so I can pick your brain you, you can answer some questions for me and I'm like yeah let's do it come on over so don't be afraid to just talk to people and don't be afraid to look up people at like a school that you want to know more about. You go straight to the athletic website, which is always up to date. Shoot up an email and say, Hey, can we get together with Sports Coffee? It's a little bit of my background. I just want to pick your brain. Women always do it because we, we understand the landscape of what's happening and we're always looking to change it. Um, for, um, People that I've modeled myself after, there's two that are uh, that I've I mentioned earlier that are big mentors for mine. I'm Captain Zadonis, who's now at UC Davis, um, she's the first person that I ever interned for, and she's just fantastic. And she, she understands the college environment at a, just a different level now that she's, she was at Sac State and went over to UC Davis. And she just is very thoughtful with her student-athletes and very thoughtful with who she is and how she presents herself within the department. Um, and I really I love that about her. Um, and then there's another woman named Susan Yates who was the AD at Fresno City years ago that I still talk to her daily. She's our conference commissioner.
0: Mm. And,
1: uh, and she's been a huge mentor for me in the two-year environment Like because the, the differences between the four-year and the two-year are so different that... It's it's really, it's a, when you come from the four-year standpoint, you're constantly kind of learning how to navigate yourself through the two-year environment. And so, like, for example, the full-time coaches are considered um, faculty, and so they have tenure. And so I still, to this day, do not get my mind wrapped around the fact, and I'm like, so they will forever be here is what you're telling me. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, <laughs> they're tenured, and I'm used to the four-year environment where, you know, To be ruthless about it, we give you a recruiting cycle, and you aren't winning. Your kids aren't doing it academically, and we're losing money on you. Well, we've got to move you on. Well, here at the two-year, you could get tenure, and like we've hired, I just hired a coach for our cross country and track program, that he's full-time faculty, and he is probably in his early to mid 20s. He will probably Mm -hmm. die in this role. And I'm just like he. Will, it is amazing to me. <laughs> I'm like, so it's, it's a different environment. And so Susan has been just, just phenomenal. And she's she also is one of these people that sees the power of having more women in leadership opportunities. And so mm-hmm. she's the one that pushed me to get involved more at the three C two A level. Um, they they function almost like Division two does, where. All of the schools get an individual vote so people can get more involved at, at, like, a management council level. And so I'm on, like, three different management council committees right now. Wow. So I'm working at a statewide level all because of her, which she's like, you need to go and apply for this. I'm going to put you over here. You need to do this. And they're like, okay. So I, those two have been phenomenal for me with my growth. So
0: um, this is and N, then,
1: N, J, hold on a second. Is this NJCAA? No, it's a CCCAA. So there are three. So the NJCAA is the same. It's, that's the one that's got, like, all of the East Coast and Central uh, United States two-year schools. And then the California Community College Athletic Association, that is just California. So there are 104 California schools that compete in athletics. So we're just California. And then there is the uh, NWAC, the Northwest Athletic Conference, and that is Oregon, Washington, and I think maybe some of Idaho. But the NJCAA is the big one. They cover the majority of the United States. I think California is just separate. So same thing, but just we have three different organizations for two years throughout the United States.
0: So what if somebody wins your conference? Do they go to the NJCAA?
1: No, so if they conference, go to a state championship within the state of California, and mm-hmm. then they'll be state champions, and, and then done. We don't ever compete against the NJCAA. And primarily oh. because, you know, the reason why the 3C2A was put together is it's really a cost saving. We don't ever fly anywhere. We're just busing throughout the entire state, and really you're only busing in Northern California or Southern California. Mm-hmm. So it helps mm-hmm. with, it, it with costs. And we don't offer scholarships, unlike the NJCAA that that, that does. Uh So it's it's just a whole different model. And so there's been some discussions of merging the three together, but I don't don't think that that's going to happen. I think the 3C2A is very happy where we're at right now. And the NJCAA, though, is doing some great things for their student athletes, but, I mean, we would end up having to fly everywhere, and our Mm -hmm. schools aren't set up for that. We Mm -hmm. We don't have that model for funding, so... So we're just California, but the same concept as the NJCAA.
0: Okay, let's go to the last one. What about books do you, have you read it to shape your leadership style?
1: Let's see.
0: When I very first started at Fresno City, there was a, a book that was
1: called The First 90 Days or something along those lines. Yeah, The First mm-hmm. 90 Days, which was a book that really kind of helped me navigate, obviously, those first 90 days, but in a completely new environment. I think mm-hmm. that was probably the biggest the biggest piece there. Um, and then I'm trying to think of, see, I knew you, I should have done a little bit more research on this. Oh, I no, think that's probably the most, fascinating, the most fascinating book that I just read in the last few months was I finally got around to reading The Coming by Michelle Obama and Lean In from um, Cheryl, whatever Cheryl's last name is over at Facebook. And mm-hmm. like I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to learn about how people got to where they're at. And I found Michelle Obama's book just fascinating because it's like you knew her as Barack Obama's wife, but you didn't know all the stuff that she did and all the fights that she was having, mm-hmm. you know, as she, as she grew up. And so it became, when you read it, you're like, oh, she is just like this real person that had this real life that's been doing all these great things, but it makes her more, more reachable, I guess. So mm-hmm. for me, I tried to focus on, give me a book that's on a woman that I'm interested in so she can tell me about her life and how she got there. Because you always feel like you're not doing things right until you read somebody else and you're like, oh, they did the exact same thing as me and it didn't feel monumental when I did it. But, man, apparently it was. So I need stuff like that. I need examples of how women have gotten where they're at, and I need to know the nitty-gritty of it. And those two books did it for me. Well,
0: can I be a little self-serving? Yes. I have a book. Well, I have a story in a book called um, "Removing the Face," and I saw my channel, I need to purchase
1: that. I will do that.
0: Okay, because you were just talking about knowing what they went through, so I was like, only because you said that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said anything about it. interview <laughs> part. But yeah, I do talk no, about my experiences. You're so. good. Okay, no, I'm in. Okay, and then my last question, Rob Knox who is a a sports formation assistant at Towson University. What methods or ways help you conquer any career adversity? What methods or ways help? Oh, wow. Let's
1: see. I tend to, I like to bounce things off of a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of kind of asking people, okay, well, am I, am I thinking of this wrong? Kind of help me work through this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I do, I do that a lot, probably to some people's chagrin, but it, it helps me work through and realize, okay, did I miss something? Um, and obviously there's times where you just have to make a decision and mm-hmm. you don't have time to talk to people about it. And I've had that happen where I just had to make a decision and – people something will happen and I probably made I made the wrong decision and I just flat out owned it. And I said, you know what? I made the best decision I could with the information I had and the timetable that we had.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: wrong. Let's just move forward and we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. So so That's two ways from, Yeah, I'm like I, I screwed up and I'm sorry and we'll move it forward and we'll fix the problem. Um so for me those are two ways that I do I do talk things out a lot, but if I don't have time, I'm going to make a decision based upon the information I have and own it if it gets screwed up and we just move forward. And I don't, In especially in, in college athletics, you, you don't have a lot of time. A lot of times you're just reacting to some things and you just have to make that decision and you have to own it. And if you have the ability to plan like we do now, I mean, my gosh, I could I could plan out, I feel like, the next five years of community college mm-hmm. athletics right now with all the time, my God. But it's like sometimes you have planning time, other times you don't. So you make the decision and you own the decision, and if it's wrong, it's fine. You just move forward.
0: I love that. And, and taking this time to grow uh, is, is so important, so important, mm-hmm. but get some fun time into, okay?
1: Exactly, exactly. And That's a lot of the reason why I switched over to Clovis. Is that it gave me the ability to breathe. I think mm-hmm. that at Fresno City I wasn't breathing. I was, I was. I always said I was putting out fires. I was never preventing fires. And sometimes it just gets too hard to constantly put put out fires. And the forest is always burning. Here I can prevent some fires. Here I can build a build a forest that I know isn't going to go up in flames in 10 years.
0: So. Yeah. Love the self awareness. That's the first part of leadership. So it has been wonderful to have you here in the garden. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Quite an honor.
1: Especially when I see all the people that you have in there and I'm like, oh, I always want to, I always look at the people you had. And when you called me and asked me if I wanted to do this, I was like, you're kidding me, right? I don't have stories like the people like The people that you bring on on there They don't They, they have stories They're just phenomenal women And I'm like that's that's not me So this is quite yes, the honor for you to you. ask If I would like to do this so no, thank you it, so is much. you
0: it is you Thank you And as always i like to thank our engineer Christine Lockley And for show, guests, and podcast updates Please join us next Wednesday at 10 a.m. And uh join our uh Facebook group a chat in the Garden with Monique A. J. Smith. And have a significant rest of the day.